If we can make it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> Someone starts beeline for the door, like, oh, there's John. I'm game for it. I'll just see how far evolved I am. <laughs> Leading the species on. <laughs> Welcome to the next Chainsaw Buffet. Whatever episode this is, I don't know where we're at. Um, I think it's the episode number. Yeah, that's the episode number. So, anybody got any rants for us before we kick off this one? Before we get into our beverage? John, um, I I kind of want to preempt our uh, braid discussion with with the following. Well, well, no, um, no, no, let's not go off because I want to I want to set a I want to set a point where people can stop listening if they don't want spoilers. Sure, sure. And that shouldn't be three minutes in. Well, I didn't I didn't actually want to spoil anything. I just wanted, for sake of clarity, discussing uh, braid itself. I do not think braid is a game. I I do not believe it qualifies, at least according to my subjective definition, as to what a game is. You're calling it art? Is that what you're saying? I'm calling it a puzzle. I'm calling it a digital puzzle. You can call it a gaming puzzle, but don't call it a game. Not a puzzle game. A puzzle. Uh, The reason I do not believe it's a game is that a game, to my definition, has an objective, and it has a way for you to lose outside of just quitting the game. Braid has no such mechanic. That is true. There's no losing except quitting in Braid. So I think Braid is a puzzle. I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm not saying you shouldn't play it. I get what you mean. You mean a puzzle, like a tabletop puzzle that you would put together. But but it's not Unless you quit that, you know, there's no... You don't have lives. You don't have lives. You don't have checkpoints. You're not penalized in any way for not solving the puzzle correctly the first time. You do not lose, you just rewind a couple of seconds. There the the game is more or less fail safe. That's true. I'll give it that. I was or gonna the puzzle. I could argue right. that portal portal would meet those same requirements because you immediately respawn, you don't really lose anything, but you don't have the rewind so that you can go back and retry a section. That this is getting into sort of a touchy segment of my argument because more and more game video games are implementing checkpoints and penalizing you less and less for dying so that, uh, you know, more <coughs> casual players do not uh, get frustrated with the game and quit and stop buying games. But you still die. You still don't, you know, you, you don't retain anything that uh, you got previously to hitting that checkpoint. Uh, in Braid, if if you quote-unquote die, that doesn't mean you lose whatever you've done. You just rewind a couple of seconds and, you know, try a different approach. You never lose anything. Depending if you're in a level where that affects things. Anyway, let's not get... Uh... Yeah, but, but that's that's my rant for the, for the sake of clarity. I, I'm trying to refrain from calling it a game. Uh, any other rants? Um... Not really. Um, not, I, not really. Yeah, we're, we're good. Let's go ahead and... You, you've got something odd there, okay. Dylan, to drink this time. This is not a caffeinated beverage, right? No, this is, this, not is a caffeine. Not, this is not an energy drink, per se. This is... Um, Which is, this podcast is being recorded just two days after the last one, 
and I think half of us are still hyped up on mana. I'm um, I'm possibly uh, going to swear off caffeine. I don't know. I have to say that uh, both Crystal and I had the mana potions, and she did not go to sleep till like 8 in the morning. It was insane how long she, it took see, her to you, actually You see how down. well that can be taken out of context? Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> we took so, mana potions. I had... And we did not sleep at all that night. Yeah. Now, now, what we did as the night is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that we were not tired. We were wide awake and moving. I haven't seen the Cialis commercial. Oh, Priapism. That's what it's called. Uh, Mana gave Nathan Priapism, and they did not sleep for the rest of the evening. Mana made me nervous and on edge, and oh, holy crap. So, Mana had absolutely zero effect on you whatsoever. It gave me plus one or a uh, minus one against fortitude or uh, fortitude save versus uh, panic attack. And we don't use saves anymore. You have a fortitude defense. Anyway, it's a, it's a static number now, Dylan. Right, right. Fourth edition, whatever. Uh, okay, we have something we pulled from the uh, we got from the international market called Yogu Time. Yogu Time. Yes, this is uh, some sort of. It is a yogurt flavored drink. I know you're all expecting Yoohoo, but not is not going to be like Yoohoo. Uh, so I've got four flavors: uh, original, orange, white peach, and lychee. Extra crispy. No? Yes. No lychee, lychee, whatever. I don't Give know what it is. Time in a dirty glass. So anyway, let's start out with the original. I've also got some pocky for uh, you know that we picked up. If uh, if you want something to snack on. While you drink so this. Pocky is a combination crispy pretzel and smooth dark chocolate. Actually, that sounds kind of good. Uh, you guys ever had um, pretzels and uh, ice cream? Don't think they, so. uh, Brewster's makes an ice cream called Stick in the Mud, which is chocolate ice cream with bits of chocolate-covered pretzel balls inside. It is fantastic. I don't know how much, these are small bottles, and I've got four flavors, so if we split them up, I don't know how much each person is going to get. It's like shots. We can handle shots. Can do I don't know that you can handle shots of this. Uh, body I shots. would like to do a body shot off Nathan if that is at all Sweet! Possible. I tried some of the original, and well, we I could not finish the bottle. Come to think of it, this yogurt time is awfully reminiscent of, of times. Alright, so take, take a moment to savor. We haven't been savoring enough here. Get, get it the, it uh, smells harmless. It smells yogurt. Appreciate it's got a slightly citrus. What flavor is this? This is original. I swear I'm not going to say it tastes like apple juice here in a second. No, you're not. I mean, it's it shouldn't. I hope it doesn't. Not that this is. I don't know what the crap you're doing, Dylan, but this is not the. Uh, oh my god, this is so horrible. Drink. When I, wow. Okay, those are actually pretty freaking good. It's not pretty. That's pretty good. You know, um, I've been wondering. I thought of once of getting those um, yogurt. Yeah. Like, my, my daughters love those things, and to me, that's like, that's yogurt. And when did yogurt become hip to have in the school, and as liquid form, too, you know, because they, they drink a lot of them. This wasn't, like, the reason I chose these was because I actually, I, I drank one of the originals. It was okay at first, but then you start, you, you know, you keep drinking it, and it's like, no. It didn't have a real yogurt flavor. I don't. I didn't get a, uh, yeah. as someone who, who does occasionally have, like, actual yogurt, I, I didn't get a strong yogurt taste to it. No. Uh, let's see. Although, I don't know that you're shaking them up enough. Are you shaking them? 
No, I'm, I'm actually not. Yeah, there's some so that would explain the blandness. Yeah, there's some sediment down there. There's some the sediment. Shake this one up and then top them off here. It's, it's like a yuhu. You gotta shake that thing up. That that would probably explain the wonderful taste. So if you buy yogu, do not shake it. Essentially, and and it'll be pretty it good. Oh look, it, it actually looks all frothy like milk instead of like. No. Don't don't just give me all, <laughs> yeah, all of it. This is I the thought orange, you said right? you liked orange. I did. I did. So thank okay. you. This is orange yogurt? Yes, it is. I don't think I've ever had orange yogurt. Nathan? There's a reason for that. Yeah, this smells like cat pee, but it actually tastes kind of good. Wow. Orange cat pee. Citrusy. Like, do not smell it. Hold your nose while you drink it. I know that smell is linked to taste in some way, but... Again, though, bland. Overall bland. I'm not wow, really this getting... is kind of nasty. You, are you getting nasty? Yeah, the other one wasn't too bad, but this one just... I think what it is is it smells like it's been in a oriental market, which, you know, often oh, has man. that real good fish smell in there. I could drink this. Okay, so if you guys are ready... Yeah, I, I had a big, you know, I had a good four ounces of that, no problem. Let me shake this up a little bit more. This is the oh, white sorry. peach. This one I'm a little concerned about. Now, peach, like... though, is a more traditional yogurt That's true. flavor. I always there get... is nothing traditional. Do they do they have one where you can, like, sprinkle bits of a Nestle's Crunch in here like you can with regular yogurt? Because that's good. There's some fruit on the bottom to shake up? Yeah, that's good. Oh, cool. I hope not. Yogurt. I hate that guy yogurt. Notice how Dylan is giving himself considerably less than he's pouring for everybody else. There you go. And we guilt trip him into... Sweet. Doubling up. I can I think take I have it. the uh, low glass this time. <laughs> now, this is peach. This is peach. Oh, it has a peach smell. I give it, it that. Smell I, I, I like the smell, but if it was like a fruit drink, this smell would be awesome. It's peach. It does yeah. have kind of a peach yogurt flavor to it. Yeah. I don't know what white peach is, but <laughs> does that mean? That reminds me of a sea lamp joke. It just, just uh, somebody Google uh, Debbie and C Lab, and you'll get the job. Or you'll have no clue what you're talking about. And if, and if you start getting into C Lab, watch the first season. Don't bother with the second. Like the the, the writer died, I think. Right? Yeah, Curry yeah. Does, the voice of the and captain. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really got into C Lab at all. It's it's one of those incredibly stupid shows, but you have to understand that it's. Incredibly stupid, just like most of Adult Swim stuff. It's not as bad as what, like, Tom Goes to Mayor or whatever oh, the name come, of that. Come to think of it, how oh, is that still on the air? Actually, I don't that know. reminds me of uh, a rant that I actually completely forgot about, I think, because uh, Adult Swim's dead to me now. Aww. Uh, on Saturday nights, that was typically when they showed their, their edgier anime. And I think they were running uh, Code Geass and. Uh, Morabito and Bleach and some other show. But now they're running... What is this one? Likey. They're running Bleach. Likey? Does anyone know what Likey is? No, it, it looks no like clue. some form of... It smells like strawberry. I guess those are berries. They kind of look like acorns to me. I, I don't know. <laughs> they're acorn berries. Something you would feed a Pokemon. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. Nike. Uh, I think if your Pokemon holds this berry, oh god, um, this one is this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it'll instantly cure him of paralysis, I believe. 
Which I think Likey is a Pokemon. I think I think we're <laughs> drinking like blended up Pokemon. Blended Pokemon. Likey. It's okay, but you, you kind of see Likey, the cumulative Likey. effect, though, that I was talking about. I think about, Likey right? Likey may involve into Sucky. So speaking of cumulative effect. <laughs> sucky Sucky. We've got something special that's going to break out here. Um, yeah, so oh, we were uh, wondering around, of the manna. Uh, looking for something that would be truly horrible. And I ran across these bottles of energy drinks at the international market. First of all, does anyone want some water to wash down the Yogu to, to get a clean power sure, for yeah. the horrors that yeah. are to come? Okay, so just to kind of give you guys a good view of this. This is actually a purely ginseng drink. Oh that, my uh, god! <laughs> comes from the uh, Japanese store here, and the great thing is, is they still have the ginseng root in the drink itself. It so, looks like a shrimp. In fact, the first time I saw you holding this, I thought, "Holy crap! Why is there, you know, a drink with what's a the whole movie with John Stewart? It? What's the movie with John Stewart and the teacher, where he's the teacher? It's uh, and and yet he's like an alien." Like something comes down, they put it in the um, the, the schools. Wait, this was uh, John Stewart. I, yeah, John Stewart. One of the few clue. movies he's been in. Uh, old movie, older movie. I have no idea. And it's like some alien thing landed. They put it in the aquarium, and it grows out, and it has tentacles exactly like what looks like is in this. What this reminds me of is you know when you go to Marble Beach oh, and crap. they have the uh, canned sharks where you can get the baby sharks are still in the jar. And they're like sort of these bent, depraved looking things. And this is exactly what it looks like. It's like some sort of pickled creature in the middle. Of if, if this has vinegar in it, I'm going to break the bottle and stab you to death with it. That's well, where it goes. Um, I don't even think there's water in the ingredient list. And I'm, I'm going to get a plastic bag here just in case because... How to drink. Okay, there's instructions. Shake well before drinking. Refrigeration drinking enhances flavor. Deposits occur naturally and is good for drinking. <laughs> so so shit's floating. <laughs> that, that's is okay. Wow. Ingredients. Fresh ginseng, sugar, jujube, citric acid, malic acid, vitamin C. There is no water in this. So in case I die in the next couple of minutes, I just wanted to finish my point. Uh, basically, for Saturday nights, Adult Swim has removed most of its anime except for Full Metal Alchemist and Bleach, and they put Code Geass, which is a show I've really been enjoying. They put that on at five in the morning, which is and just, I loved cool. Adult Swim back when so got, one night was comedy night and one night was anime night, and it was on twice a week. Yeah. It was special, and you chose you had to choose. You know, there was probably some thought to it. Now that it's all night every night, it's like Futurama on Adult Swim. It's like no. Nah, That's 17, not what it's 17 for. episodes of Family Guy. You know the one that they showed on Fox last week? We're showing that one two weeks later. <sighs> Alright, gentlemen. Well, they do have On Demand now, so I cannot open mine. Thank God for On Demand. Yeah, Adult Swim wow. dead to it me. It smells like a root. <laughs> <laughs> do I have to drink it if I can't open it? No, it's a little fancy. That, that kind of shark. That does smell like mowing the lawn, doesn't it? Yeah. And you like don't give a shit oh about the God. tree root. Oh God. And you just run over the tree root because you don't give a shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, it smells like mulch. So what's the etiquette for do? What do you do with the root when you're done? Do you chew on the root when you're done, or do you? Just I think I think it's like tequila. You're supposed to uh, to drink the uh, drink the root, eat eat the worm. Yeah. I'm um, not even sure I'm gonna finish this. All right. We need to like get a picture. Do you have an extra one of these that we can get a picture of after this and post it on the site? 
Uh, because oh holy crap! You can have mine. It is indescribable. This is a Lovecraftian monster in a bottle. I, I love the the nice little froth that it has on the top. faculty. That's the name of the movie. Oh yeah, I was oh, talking. See, everybody tea. knows that movie once you say the name. Yeah, well, it's the power of ginseng. I've been smelling the ginseng, and now my <laughs> mind is heightened awareness. And maybe, uh, maybe I maybe we should you know maybe this will should, be good because. Uh, Maybe we should go back and play Braid after... after Maybe we this. should stop this right now and go watch the faculty and just... This is it. This is where we stop. Are we ready, gentlemen? Yeah, I'm not ready. So. Alright, here we go. I love you, my wife. Oh, it tastes like oh. it smells. It does. Oh, holy crap. You finished oh. this. It's... <laughs> <laughs> the aftertaste. God. The aftertaste gets you. And, and you probably got that pretty strong. You chug that whole thing. Oh. Woo. Ugh. You know what that reminds me of? You want some water, Nathan? It reminds me oh, of, okay. uh... <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. You know, when when you stir-fry, you know, with, like, teriyaki sauce, some, some green peppers and some onions, you get Ooh. that little juice in there? It's like that only has been refrigerated <laughs> and put in a bottle for about a month. Oh, wow. But they said refrigeration drinking enhances flavor. Yeah. I don't know what that means! I'm pretty sure... This is this is. There's English. like a good. There, there is like a. It's like a. Um. It's like a yin and yang. There is like something good in here. I'm tasting. Fucked up by something else. That's probably the ginseng. <laughs> well, is this going to kill me if I drink any more of it? What you haven't even started? Yeah, I'm not. Chug it, man. Oh man, come on. That's come on. Isn't you can't already, sip it. Already done. Uh, look, empty bottle. Yeah. Go, 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 go. No, 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 no. Go, 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 go. Don't, don't pull it away. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, turn, 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 you got to do more than a sip, dude. you got to just yeah, open turning it up and, up and go. swallowing is much better to deal with. Oh. Just because I'm going to My eyes be, are watering. I'm, just because Dylan's not, I'm going to make sure I finish this off. <laughs> oh. Oh, wow. That last little bit. Thought, mm. Yeah. Oh. I think the last little bit has extra potency because no one is talking about the debris. It was right there. <laughs> what, what's ginseng supposed to be good for? Is it memory? Is it? I think it's good for memory and all around energy because it's kind of like your universal energy component. But I think memory was the other thing it's supposed to be excellent for. <laughs> well, I will always remember this, dude. I do. I do have a slightly out of body experience going on right now. <laughs> oh, do not say that. That dude, makes me want to. Uh... My fingers are like a part of my hand. I'm watching the podcast from above now. And I, I am... I, I've been at home. If you were to drink one of these and turn on, you know, like, Windows Media and uh, have one of the really psychedelic sound settings, you'd be tripping out right now. I'm not going to finish this. I'm just... Oh, I'm, no, I can't. I, no. You haven't even... You're not even past the... Well, how are you going to dare even do the next podcast? Which I'll let... Nathan explains why. What idea. is the next podcast? Okay, so um, we had this great idea about what we're going to do our next podcast. Um, if you guys listen regularly, you know that we usually drink something while we're doing this to kind of kick it off. And when so, we say next podcast, it may not be the next aired, but the next one we're going. Yeah, to Yeah, the next one recorded. Uh, what number would that be, John? <coughs> that number right there. Uh, listen for that number, and that's what we're talking about. But uh, anyway, we're going to do the gallon challenge during our podcast. Um, for those of you who are not aware, the Gallon Challenge is a, uh, a challenge that in which you have to drink an entire gallon of milk within one hour's time and keep it down for an hour. 
Now, I, we used to do this all the time in college, and out of like 40 attempts that I've seen, no one has ever succeeded the gallon challenge. So um, throughout the next podcast, we're definitely going to be uh, just chugging milk and uh, hopefully hurling in various places. It'll be great. Yeah. You can play along with us and see if you uh, can outlast us. Yeah, you're welcome to grab your own uh, gallon of milk and go for it. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be the the next next one, but he'll be in the near future, and he'll that, probably that's true. It may he'll not probably be say the gallon challenge. It'll, it'll be coming up. I can. Okay, we we are hoping, but I am making my claim here on the podcast, so it's on record because we discussed this a little bit prior to it. So I just want to put my claim on record that I will be able to do the gallon challenge. <laughs> um, Everyone says that. And, and uh, I know you're saying it, but I have evolved to the point of lactose tolerance. I am accepting of all toses, and uh, I tolerate the lactose along uh, with the fructose and the sucrose. I'm resisting the urge to call him a milk noob. Milk but... <laughs> <laughs> noob. So, um, and Rock it, Band 2, guys. Yeah, it came out at midnight. Ooh. We went to... Uh, the great blue demon known as Walmart. The local at, one. Yeah, asked the, uh, the, the really grumpy looking lady, hey, do you have Rockman 2? And she's like, these damn kids in the video games. <laughs> she said, does it re- when does it release? Now? Would, would we be here asking you at midnight if it wasn't supposed to be here? The what? answer is maybe. Did you plug it in and go online before midnight or you had it actually after midnight? After, after midnight. After midnight. Before midnight, supposedly, if you got it and you plugged it in, and you went to play one of the challenges, it would say on the screen, you know, hey, the next challenge is ellipsis dot dot dot. Wait, how do you know that this is a challenge screen? How do you have the game right now? You shouldn't be having the game right now. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Wow. Because so, there was a lot of people that were getting early copies of it. You know, guys working the stores, you know, get a copy of it and stuff like that and go home. So they obviously had some. They didn't shut down any part of the game. Um, other than just throwing a little message of, ha you got it early. Now, my experience on getting Rockman 2 today, I pre-ordered through Best Buy and totally let down because they didn't even, I was like the first one around noon to go in and claim it and they were all looking at each other going, wait, do we have copies? We have those copies in, right? Do we do pre-orders on this? Hold on. They call a guy to go to the back. There's no lines, there's no crowds, there's no fanfare, there's no banners out. And I'm like, come on, this is the first time I've pre-ordered a reasonably, I think, in-demand game, and I don't get the benefit of fighting, arguing, you bastards sold out and I pre-ordered, you're supposed to hold me a copy, now damn it, I want you to refund my $5 to reserve the game. I, I think I think the last one that, that we went to was like that was for Smash Brothers, where they had the tournament and... Just all sorts of madness there. I think, no, I most, think my favorite story about waiting in line is when the Burning Crusade came out, we went to Turkey Creek and uh, went to GameStop. Now, at that GameStop, people were backed out all the way down the, the entire front of the plaza of those buildings. The line wrapped, made its way up to the road, and went right down the road. I mean, there was, like, people everywhere. So Chris and I get there, and we get there kind of late, and we're like, well, screw this. So we go up to Walmart. We walk into the electronics, we pick the game off the shelf, we buy it, we go home. <laughs> I'm going to guess that most creators are a bunch of uh, crap, because unless it's it's that one game that you know, like everyone has to have. Yeah, well, it seems like they are much better about demand. Like, 
the Wii was horrendous. Like, if you didn't pre-order the Wii, I mean, you were hosed well, still, for like a Wii year. Wii can be difficult to get. Yeah. It's not as difficult, but it can still be difficult. But you have to... You Nintendo have to press a CD. Nintendo, at this point, you know, why would they ramp up production? Because they would just have to lay these plants off once the need was met. Which is kind of what their take was after the initial crisis. It's like, we're all, if, even if we staffed up additional plants, we would not make Christmas. That we wouldn't be producing them in time for Christmas. So then they were kind of assuming three, four months from now, people that want the Wii will have the Wii and demand will drop to normal. So there's no point in staffing up. They didn't expect it to go on as long as it did or they probably would have uh, staffed. You know, I've got a, I, I really do have a funky little feeling maybe it's the yogurt ginseng blend or something i'm I'm saying right here i will make the gallon challenge but i may not make this podcast challenge just just saying the ginseng yogurt challenge when you Uh, say a funny feeling do you mean you're gonna throw up or you're going to pass out and die well um not that i've ever done any illegal narcotic substances ever in my life but that kind of feeling of i should stop now this is why i didn't finish this is um, this is something I should stop doing. This is something, and I'm not drinking anymore the ginseng, so that's good. But you hit that point, or maybe when you're out drinking, of knowing like, shit, that last drink was was one too many. I am going to throw <laughs> up in the bathroom later. Um, what the hell, another tequila? You know. Well, I mean, on that note, there is so much in that bottle. If you'd like, just to kind of push it on over. That's there. probably getting pretty. I, I think what it is is that you guys like sipped it. Nathan and I downed it. I should finish Neither mine. Neither one of us are having any sort of uh, ill effect. Because I, Bud Dylan and I did hit Popeye's chicken, like right before. Oh yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> little red beans and rice, little yogurt, little ginseng. So in other words, a ginseng has revitalized the chicken, and now it's fighting back. <laughs> it is fighting back. <laughs> <laughs> it's reanimated. Oh. But uh, yeah, I, I should probably finish this off because I don't want to be the guy who has to explain, you know, to the emergency room people why you guys are all. Uh, Freaking out, thinking your skin is crawling off. Get on it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, some of our loyal fans have actually used the address of podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. Podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. Yes, that's podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. All or, one word, chainsawbuffet.com. Or don't we also have broadcast at chainsawbuffet.com? We do have broadcast at chainsawbuffet. We also have you guys total suck ass at chainsawbuffet.com, right? No, we don't. I thought we had a wild card. We have a catch-all. And so we have oh, this. There we go. Then you sure. can't so deny it. You create what you want at chainsawbuffet.com. And it can even be you create what you want. Literally. I never... I rarely Case check matters, the catch-all. Though. If so. you do multiple words, you do have to uppercase the new letters of new words or it will not get through the mail. I'm not checking. <laughs> I'm not checking the catch-all as often as You also have to use the number four. The number four can, uh, if you use the number four, it has to be the numeral four. Uh, Roman numeral four is acceptable. You, but, but you can, you know what, uh, Dylan, at this point, uh, gym scene has taken over and I'm gonna keep <laughs> rambling. So please, read us. I'm kinda like, I, I know the feeling you're getting, I'm kinda getting it myself, I'm kinda like... I'm <laughs> definitely, I'm just, I'm getting I'm a high, I'm getting a high off the gym How much was this? It was like a dollar fifty-eight, I think. Dollar nineteen is on there, yeah. Dollar fifty-eight okay. tax. I I am totally. Um, that they're they're uppricing it because like you know there's a high demand for that now. Anyway, the uh, the email. 
<clears throat> Hello, my name is Marina. You probably are not much surprised to have received my letter. No. Actually, I'm... wait, Marina, didn't Marina email us in the first part? It sounds familiar. I think I do remember her. Go on. Sure, whatever. <coughs> I understand that you at all do not represent who I, but it's not the big problem. I ask you to give me some minutes to read my letter. As I already spoke, my name is Marina. I live in city St. Petersburg to me of 28 years. Wow, so St. Petersburg? We're actually getting mail from St. Petersburg? We, we have worldwide reach. That's pretty freaking cool. You know, and obviously, you know, cut her some slack here, because the English is not too good in the email, so... I have written to you that we'll get acquainted with you. I have received your email. The address in agency of acquaintances to me. Have do, we, do we email her? Or was this the reply no, no, she was no. first? Time? Like, I believe I other, emailed her. She said it was from other acquaintances, so I think other people turned her on to our podcast. Ah, oh, oh, there we go. Gotcha. Like, so she got the networking effect yeah. of okay. the Chainsaw Buffet. Nice. To have me told that you're a very good and kind person. That is true. <laughs> well, did she really listen to our podcast? <laughs> I have paid for it 2,000 rubles. Oh, no, that's not right. So we're being pirated and people are charging for the buffet? That's not right. If you paid for this podcast, okay, right now, write us and let us know because you're getting ripped off. Okay, go on. Then. And we're going to take their money from them because it belongs to us. And I very much hope that I have not spent time and money in vain. I very much hope that you will answer me. I to you will tell not much about myself. You already know that me of twenty to me of twenty eight years I work in a boarding school as the logopedist I learn small children what is to talk. A logopedist. She learns small children to talk. Oh, sorry. Logop- I always thought it was like the person who taught logarithms. At the I, th- I thought it was the person that treated logarithms. Treated logarithms. When you're like a pedist. Oh god, I pulled a logarithm. <laughs> work on that for me. <laughs> I very active girl and very much love sports. I very much love children. I very lonely girl because I was disappointed earlier in Russian men, and after a long time, I have solved will get acquainted with the man from other country with you. (laughs) It sounds like she's trying to wrangle her. Marina, Marina, you know, the Russian men drinking the vodka, you've just got to stay away from that. Like, find the ones that, just on the weekend, a little bit have, you know, a drink or two, that's fine, but if they're drinking all the time... Wait, you know, did, did she say she's going to get acquainted with a man with you? It sounds like she's trying to wrangle a three-way there. I don't know, man. Um, did she send a photo? Hold on. <laughs> For this purpose, I have gone to agency and have paid money. If it will be interesting to you, also you will answer my letter, then I with pleasure will tell you much more about myself and about Twist to a Family. What the hell is Twist to a Family? Anyway. Uh, now I worry not much because I at all do not know as you will react to my letter. I send you my photo and I very much hope that it is pleasant to you. I will finish this letter. Please reply only to my personal email. But I very much with the big impatience will wait from you for the letter. I very I much it. hope that you will when write to me. When I have the me. big impatience. <laughs> Let, let's get fun with Wow, she's, she's kind of cute, gentlemen. She is. She really is. She that that photo is much pleasing to me. <laughs> I would love to so, see you with the big impatience. Yeah, come on over, Marina. You, you we will put you on the podcast as being the first one. As Marina, as being the first one to send us an email, come on over to the states, Marina. We will put you on the podcast, a special episode dedicated to you. Yeah, and we'll like, kind of do a Howard Stern style show because we know you'd appreciate that. And speaking Yes, do not research Howard Stern before you come over here. No, none of the Wikipedias. 
Stay away from that. Just, just come on, but dress in layers that can easily be removed um, in exchange for cards like, or like other layers games. of, uh, of jumpsuits. <laughs> those, those breakaway pants that athletes wear. The, there you go. Speaking, Bikini underneath is highly recommended. So, uh, That's common in the States. Speaking of uh, special guests, next weekend is uh, Anime Week in Atlanta. We're, we're working mm-hmm. on... Now see, uh, you gotta be surprise. careful because this podcast could totally come out after that one. It probably will too. Because anyway. we've got the last one in production to be out this Wednesday. This makes no sense to anyone listening right now because they're going, "What the fuck?" They don't even try to get a calendar. Just, just don't. In fact, you know what? Just tune over to the radio for a few moments. So, <laughs> yeah. So this one will come out if we get back from the, or if you guys get back from Awa, which is the this anime. Weekend? WA conference. Uh, what's the WA? Weekend at Atlanta. Weekend at Atlanta. It's the anime WA. <laughs> Taking down it's the, like the NWA. Uh, uh, the uh, NWA <laughs> in a tag team royale battle this Sunday evening. Yes. So, um, so that may come out prior to this one though. Um, because that would be more relevant. If you come back, we can mix that out prior to Wednesday and get it out on are awesome when they release. This will come out after that, in which case this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Do we get any other emails? No, and actually, uh, that's the point I want to make. If, if you can't already tell, we just read a spam email on the air, so uh, we need email. Send us, please. If we, if, hold on. If we had to tell you that was spam right now, you are yes. no longer qualified to be listening to Chainsaw Buffet because you may be taking too many things we say literally, and that's going to be a problem going forward, both that's for us legally and for you physically and throughout the rest of your life. So um, just stop right now, delete this from your iPod, and uh, we'll go on. But please, seriously, podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. That's podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. Broadcast at Podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. F the Fruit Company. F the Fruit Company. But download us on, uh, on iTunes. You can do that now, apparently. We can. We are in iTunes, are we not? They tell me we are. I haven't been able to find us, but um, just like Dig, they tell us we're in Dig, but we can't find. Well, no, we're still under. We're, we're still digging our way out. Oh wait, we haven't got approval by Dig. I don't think so. I can check if you really want. I, I believe too. At one point, too, Dig would have put two girls in one cup as the top link, and we can't get approved in Dig. Well, no, they got to be classy, man. They got to be classy. They got to make sure we're we're cool and we're you know a good podcast. So, this podcast here, we're going to um, break into Braid. We're going to beat Braid like a little red-headed stepchild that he we're, looks like he is. We're going to spell, spoil the ever-loving hell out of it. If you have not played Braid, you may want to just stop now. Uh, if you don't plan on playing Braid, it, it's probably not going to bother you to, to listen to this. Uh, and it may even get you to want to play Braid. So, if you're at some point you decide, wait a minute, what the hell are they talking about? Now, I want to play Braid. Then go ahead and stop now. But this is the warning that beyond this point, all all hands are off as to all spoilers of Braid, um, all interpretations, reasonings, and expectations are. Uh, uh, I'm having trouble thinking with the ginseng. I cannot hear it. Yeah, this is gonna. Braid is trippy as it is, but yeah, I'm kind of like. I'm not. I'm probably not quite to the point you are, but so Braid. Are you gonna be okay? Braid is an Xbox Live um, download. It will be available for for PC. Uh, dude is working on a port right now. So if if you don't have an Xbox and 
it will be available on PC later, so you may want to stop now anyway if you want to play this game. Because I think overall we can agree if it's 15 bucks still on the PC, it's worth the 15 bucks. It I, is definitely a good value. I, I have a bit of a, of a point to make on that. I think Braid is fantastic for, for what it is. Uh, it is a fantastic gaming puzzle or whatever we're going to call it. It's a great piece of entertainment. Sure. I, I still maintain that somewhere along the way, somebody realized that they had a, a, uh, a product that people wanted to buy and would be interested in and would be talking about and made a $10 Xbox Live Marketplace uh, download, a $15 market, Xbox Live Marketplace download, because it's, it's fun, it's great, highly recommend it, but there's not $15 worth, worth of content when you compare it in relation to other games on Xbox Live. They, they're, they're similar in length. Well, now, given the fact that Braid is one guy for three years and another guy for a year and a half, Okay, um, he, he brought in some uh, graphic design and music help. So that guy didn't work on it solidly during that year and a half, but helped him for a year and a half. And he himself worked on it full-time three years. And he is also, even with the success of it, right above, a little bit above break-even. Sure. So even at $15 price point, there's enough other grubbing, money-grubbing companies with their hands, like Microsoft, who Microsoft has also raised the amount that they're going to keep now in future Xbox Live titles. So whereas I think he was getting about half of the $15 was making it back to his way, now I think it's going to be 5 bucks on a $10 game. And Jonathan Blow, the guy of this, has said that if he he'd released Braid under the new terms, he would have not broken even yet. Which is fucking, that's pretty jacked up. For a download yeah, yeah. game that Microsoft doesn't need to be charging Taking that much of a piece. Plus, if he took, but if he took three years to design this. It's, I mean, it, there was a lot of effort put into this compared well, to say, you know, the thing about this game though, random is shooter, the the quality of the puzzles um, or whatever you want to call them. Like this is probably one of the most challenging games I've played in years, and um, I, I had a blast doing it because it was something that I actually had to sit and scratch my head for a while on these things. And so, I mean... Yeah, Jonathan's um, attempt to design on this was uh, not to be mainstream, right? So he was coming at it more of a non-mainstream, uh, whereas uh, some most games approach it with a mechanic and a genre, you know? Hey, we're going to be a first-person fighting-type game, and we're going to have a rewind button, and then we have Prince of Persia. Right. Sure. Instead of coming at it from that angle, it's more of uh, Braid was conceived more in the fashion of this is the story, and they're working. He's working on the story and the mode that he wants to tell and convey, and then what mechanics can reveal that story. And then he got really fucking stoned for two and a half of the three years, and we had Braid. <laughs> because I, I don't think I think there has to be serious dope involved in the game. I don't. I think yeah, I don't want. Uh, the the storyline is nuts, which I guess we'll get on that here. We'll get on the storyline oh, in a minute. So gameplay wise, gameplay wise, um, I'll confess right here now that most of the puzzles I blew through. Mm. Most of Braid I blew through in almost two hours. The other three hours I made up my five were all of two puzzles, two motherfucking puzzles. And the one, you know, one of them I got after I, I came back at it after I slept and I came back and I, I forget which one it was. Um, I think it was the one where. In World 3 or 4, 
You walk forward, time goes forward. You walk yeah. backward, time goes forward. Oh, yeah. And you replay the one they call the hunt, which is the one that has the six critters that you have to kill. Yeah. Right? To unlock the key. Yeah. At there, or to unlock the puzzle piece. Right. To get the end. And you have that in World 2. And there it's just a matter of realizing, oh crap, don't kill them in the wrong order because I gotta do a jump off of this dude to get to there. You know, yeah. it's a real easy mechanic. But in the second one, it's damn tricky. Uh, or it was for me. It was, was that, yes. damn I tricky. Blew, I blew through that one because I, I pretty much knew, based on the mechanics for that world, that if I was going to have any chance at doing this the right way at all, I was going to have to stop in the t- start in the top left corner at the highest point and then take the other guys down in some specific order. And, and what I found was that if you do it the right way uh, as you're moving forward, one guy will follow the next one into death almost immediately, so you can tell yes. that you're doing it in the in right fact, order. In um, fact, when, when you do the, when you solve the puzzles, I think there might have been a puzzle or two. I I got a a time special magical jump that made it to a ledge or something that wasn't supposed to be the answer. I think that happened to me a few times where I don't yeah. feel like I solved the puzzle properly. I kind of did a run and jump, but. Um, when you do solve them, you know them. And when I came back at it with fresh eyes, I realized that, well, wait a minute. I'm gonna, I, I can only move time as forward as it long as it takes me to walk across the screen. And if I have to walk back, then I'm gonna rewind everything. So then I just stared and looked at the start positions of them, and that was the order that you killed yeah. them. So it was a real obvious one to click yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now the one that, the, the, the other one that, um, I just, Dumb luck stumbled into it after a solid fucking two hours of being on the map. It's in the shadow world, okay, where um, the purple things do not are affected by both shadow and the real world. Right. And then there's a shadow version of everything that goes on and, and stuff like that. Um, the one where there's a critter that starts out and there's a ledge that you can put across and build a shadow to non-shadow yeah. wall yes. and you walk across. Yes. And you can get... Most everything in this world, but there's a puzzle piece above the door at the end. And you yes. can't quite jump and make it. And you can't jump from the top and, and make like some running jump and make it. And what it ends up being is um, you let the dude fall on your head and kill you, yeah. right? Then you can rewind it. And because the dude is purple, he will jaw on your shadow, bounce, and then you get on him in air and get yep. across. That was the point that I was like, Drew and I were watching John play, and when when we finally stumbled on it, it was like, oh, holy crap! You know, this is just and and this is it was amazing. One of the things I wanted to play through that game like completely isolated, so I could figure out all the puzzles on my own. But it kept, you know, people kept coming to watch me play it. And, and that was one of the ones where I probably would have gotten it on my own, you know, after having thought about it. But it was having Drew sitting there watching it. And he's like, wait a minute. You remember when, when you died and the guy bounced off your head? I was like, yeah. And I was like, holy crap. There yes, we go. Was, and that was yeah. one thing. Like, I played through most of it myself. <clears throat> like, through, maybe through World 2, 3, and 4. And my problem is, I'd come up to a puzzle and it would just, like... It would completely stump me. I'd get locked into one. And that's one of the big problems with the puzzles is if you use a wrong solution, you can get so close, and it seems like a timing thing that you keep trying that same solution over and over. Yeah. But anyway. As Cicely's playing, or was playing some of it, I kept... That that is the only thing I stopped from her. I was like, there's no. Don't tie the time, the jumps... Unless it's something like in the first world where you're falling down that big long path and you got to dodge the spikes, you know, yeah. kind of timing. 
that you could just rewind and get it right. There's no none of these require jumping platform skill um, or anything of that. You, you can you can cheat on a couple of them if you have that skill. Yeah. There was there was one in particular though that I think it was the one where you had the ring that slows down time around the ring. Oh yeah, and uh, the one ring you you had to. Basically, you had to goad one of the enemies down into the level so that you could jump off of it and jump onto a, onto one of the cannons and place the ring on the cannon so it would slow it down long enough yes. for you to make it across. Yeah. I think that was the only one where any modicum of uh, platforming skill was really involved. But since you can play it over and over again, as I was discussing earlier, and there's no real way to lose it, you can the, still but, make but it. The would be the wedding ring, by the way, not the yes. one ring. Yes. Well, it was funny because when that one started, the first puzzle was there and back again, which was the name of the book that Bilbo was writing in Lord of the Rings. And also the whole slow down sort of, it, it kind of worked a little bit, uh, how we did it. But, there know, were a lot of references to that in Super Mario Bros. Yeah, and so just... talking about puzzles that stumped me, it was so crazy because um, I kind of had to do all mine in a flash because I was trying to get, get it done in time to uh, make for this podcast. So I finished it maybe 45 minutes ago, I guess. And um, the two puzzles that stumped me more than anything else, I'm almost ashamed to say this, like I, I blitzed through the whole game, and I get through every world, and if I ended up spending more than like 10 minutes on the puzzle, I'd just pass it. Yeah. So when I was done, I had like one piece in every world just about. So I went back through, and I finished them all except for two. One of them was the World 2, where you had the, you had the little bridge piece that was actually within oh. the puzzle. When you had to move it that around. on your last ones? That freaking <laughs> took me hours. I could not figure that out. It made me so angry. That's one of my few gripes about the game is that they they generally do well about introducing the new elements and the rules, you know, as you play into them, and then they advance them further, which is the way I feel so it should be done. Them. Yeah. And and then it's just a matter of applying them the correct way. But in the very first level that you play, which is World Two, they have that that they have the bridge piece in the painting there, and there's absolutely nothing before, since, ever that makes you think that you should interact with that puzzle in any way. Except, except now I got that one quick. That was one that I got really quick because now, granted, my approach to playing Braid was to stop and stare at the screen a lot. So rather than... I've watched a lot of people play it where they continue to try to jump, try to try something, keep trying something. Like there's a, a Twitch gamer, you know, and a lot of us, right? You know, and that Twitch gamer takes over and tries to... And I just kind of stopped and it stumbled upon me. Um, and because it was only in World 2 and I hadn't played the other worlds, I, was, I didn't realize there was always a puzzle somewhere in the world that you could assemble in the world and not have to go back to the main world, World 1, and, and do the puzzle. And I thought, you know, why is that puzzle here? Why is it not in any other uh, level? And it's only here. And then I noticed that the tabletop pattern was the exact same pattern as the ledge pattern. And I said, you are shitting me that... And I didn't even think about jumping on it at first. It was that the dude would walk over, and I could jump off of him over that. So that was the first attempt uh, that I did instead of like, wait, wait, if I can move it anywhere, you know, just move there. So I moved it up there, and sure enough, he walked onto that area, uh, and did it. And of course, that was the moment that I then completed World 1, finished that puzzle, immediately stopped the game, grabbed Sicily, he's like, you have to play this game. 
so I can die laughing at you while you play it. That's funny, because like, I was watching John play that, and I just like, it's so random that you just want to tell tell someone, here's how you do it, get through it. And to John's point, and to John's stuff. point, though, I think that that does, the fact that you played it last, um, is kind of weird, but that does teach you something, not necessarily about the level, but about the rest of the game. When you get that one, you go, all of a sudden, holy shit, anything that I've assumed is wrong. Like, he's, he's yes. bracing you for the rest of Braid that this shit is in play, and you literally have to be thinking outside of the box, or the picture frame box in this case. Yeah. But yeah. So that puzzle just <clears throat> totally blew my mind. I just happened to, like, jump at one point, and I was levitating, and I was like, why That's am I levitating? Pretty much what I was Oh, my God, so you, like, landed on it. And yeah, because then... I just happened to, like, I got frustrated and started messing around with the puzzle pieces, put them together, because I wasn't even messing with the puzzle pieces until I had them all. And then I just happened to jump, and I was like, did the game freeze? What's crap? And then I figured it out. But then the other puzzle that totally got me for forever was, um, I forget which level this was, but it was whenever you started the game, there was a ledge that was supposed to move over to the left, and there was an immune-to-time uh, little piece that would roll up to block it, that at any point, until that moved all the way over, if you'd rewound at all, you failed. Yeah, yes. I believe that the the stage level was uh, irreversible. Which yeah, is, which yeah. is your major. And usually there was a good hint in the title, but it made no sense until after you figured it out. Like yeah. the, the title hints never were good enough. You know, like so, irreversible. Like it didn't mean shit to you until you realized. Wait, oh, that means I can't. Okay, I got it now. Thanks a lot for the help. So talking about like platforming, like that was the one where like I kept on trying to coax things over to the edge to bounce and grab. Because it never worked, but I just never thought to look at that one spot, and you had, what, maybe 20 seconds until you wouldn't have known about it. Admittedly, you can get to the puzzle piece, but it, you know, if you, once you rewind, it sends you back, so there's no way of getting back once you get the puzzle piece without dying unless you... There was a few epic levels, too, that um, uh, were, were very close on the forward rewind type mechanics, but the puzzle pieces themselves were not protected from the effects of time, so that you could actually lose puzzle pieces. Yes, you know, if you rewound. Same thing with the with the uh, with the bosses. I actually did that on in the Shadow World, where you're fighting basically the same boss from uh, World Two, World Two, or whichever world it is where you fight the first boss battle, and you have to that you have to rewind it so that. Uh, the shadow of the chandelier falls on them instead of the chandelier. Yeah, so. I think I actually had yes. to replay that one. Um, so I was like, I don't get it. What the hell is, you know, uh, it, going on here? I, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, really condescending towards the game or anybody else. I did not find the vast majority of the puzzles to be all that challenging for me. Part of it because, you know, I did have some uh, some unrequested for help, which which is fine. Actually, but, but most of it, the the only thing that I could not tell could probably still could not tell you how to do and didn't figure out on my own. It was just sheer dumb luck. Was there's one part in one of the shadow levels where you have a key that that has a shadow on it that's not affected by time, and then you have the two shadow doors like one after yes. the other. And oh, the trick is you're so supposed awesome. to unlock one of them and get him to unlock the other one. And I just like rewound it, felt you know far enough back 
to where just by dumb luck he was over at the other door and I still don't know how, how he managed <laughs> it. So that one was cool. It took me a while on that one where you would grab the key and there's like a door and a door. And you jump in the air and bef- like where your in-flight path was coming at the door. And before you hit the door you would rewind. And then he would jump in the air and you know the players always finished what they were doing until they were stopped. Right. So he yes. would jump and then he would fall right into the door and unlock the door. Yeah, I, so I, I must have done that just by sheer... So, yeah, the Shadow World was one that, like, I could kind of explain how it worked, but I could never, like, I couldn't say, these are the mechanics. Like, like from the first moment, so like, crazy. you know, the first one is, is a level called Pit, question mark, and it's just a pit, there's nothing there. And I was like, well, I'm going to jump down there and see what's down there, and then I rewound to get it out of the pit. And he jumped down in there. I was like, "Okay, I know exactly how this level works." And I had no well, the pit no problem with most to be of a clue. Yeah, it's like that. They were there just to show you the the twist, the green yeah. key, the shadow. You know, I mean, it, you the had wide, the, the wide button. I think was one of them. Had yeah, a big y. had a big Y on it. <laughs> so you say you got the puzzles. So how many stars did you collect? Stars. Exactly. There are seven or eight stars hidden throughout the game. Okay. That unlock a constellation. And this is where we're getting deep in the spoiler territory now. The, uh, the constellation that you see when you first pass. The constellation oh. you see when you first pass, there are eight stars hidden in the game that you can get. Um, now, before you decide to say, like, oh, wait, I don't want to know I'm going to get them, let me tell you how you get one of the stars. Do you remember in the one with the puzzle that you have to jump on the tabletop to then get across? Up there, there was a cloud that just seemed like, what the hell is the point yeah. of that cloud? There's no point to that cloud, right? Yeah, I kept on trying Wrong. to get that to move. <laughs> In the course of two hours, that cloud will have floated to the other side of the world. It takes two hours for that cloud to move to the other side of the world. Then you can jump up on top of that cloud, and you will jump up off screen. And then Super Mario Brothers style, you'll find out there's another level up there that you can get one of the stars. Wow. Two hours to wait for that cloud to move over. Okay. I'm saying bullcrap to that. That's exactly why I've not played for any of the stars, and I'm willing to let the internets solve the rest of the game for me. Um, so there's a star in World 1 that is built... If you Look, there's half a star on Painting 3. So on Painting 3, there's half a star, okay? The other half of the star is made by putting two pieces together upside down and backwards. They're not actually clicked together. You have to do it before you assemble the puzzle. Meaning at this point, you gotta restart a new game. Okay? Put these two puzzles over, and then you drag that next to the star, and then the star will appear, and then you use the ledge. You can still get on the ledge in World 1. Right? You can still move it down, and then you jump, and then you switch to edit the puzzle and move the ledge up, so you kinda like do that pattern to move your guy up, and then you notice there's a gap between 2 and, and 3 at the top there. You can then jump over that gap, catch the star on the way down. So that's another one of the stars. Wow. Um, there's a star in the final level seven where you run through it uh, that you can on the way back get or something uh, as well. And it's the last star. You can only get that star if you've got the, the rest of them. Um, that is really pretty There's a whole level of stars. So towards um, the meaning of the game here now, did you did you come away, Nathan, with like any understanding or meaning of what was the Expected meaning, like what the hell was going on? Well, I have to admit that I kind of had to flash through the game, but you know, it was so I had no clue what was going on. I kind of had an idea, you know, Tim's going on a journey. 
Um, you know, he had this sort of altercation with his uh, girl, who at first he thought was the princess, and then they kind of diverged those personalities a bit, where he was talking about the girl and then the princess, and it just got very convoluted as you went. So. I think it, it messed me up at the beginning, because what I thought, I thought this was going to be one of these stories where I'm going to tell this weird little convoluted story in different pieces, and then I'm going to go back and explain to you, you know, different, it, it was going to be this sort of C.S. Lewis great divorce thing where it's like, I'm going to explain the story, but then I'm going to also have my little discussion over here, you know, explaining the philosophical ideas behind the story. And then, you know, after we finish, John goes, what was it you said about this is about a failed relationship? Yeah, yeah, it's, or, uh, Tim is, a, uh, is an alcoholic, and uh, it's about a, a failed relationship in marriage. Because in, in one of the early story narratives, um, he's talking about the perfect relationship, about how, uh, you know, in order to have the perfect relationship, you must understand each other perfectly, and in order to understand each other perfectly, you can never change or defy their expectations. And he goes, he goes on to about how, uh, you know, he wants to transcend, you know, that kind of relationship and be, you know, be able to be immune to that, to the other person in the relationship to the degree where they can still be himself and still have a relationship with her. Right. And the thing, the, the thing that blew my mind was not only is the narrative unreliable, all of the philosophical things he's trying to pull out of this, or you, you know, the narrator is, is pulling out of this are also unreliable. It's like, I don't because think so. it's being told from Tim's perspective. It's being told from yes. Tim's perspective, no, and I, I agree with you. Tim's an alcoholic. Tim is a drunk alcoholic who's already screwed up his marriage. Yeah. The very first painting, you know, has alcohol in it. I think all of them have a yeah, bottle yeah. in it and, somewhere. And I believe maybe maybe I was just hallucinating because there's another one where he like just checks his watch or something. But if you leave him standing there for a few minutes, you know, in classic. Uh, platforming style, the character will do something, you know, just have a pause animation. And in one of them, I swear, he pulls a flask out of his jacket and takes a drink. Oh, I've not seen that, but that would, that would go in the I've only Ooh. seen it once. And, and, and because like, the narrative is from this alcoholic perspective, in fact, the, the time metaphor, it, you know, is, well, the time manipulation is a metaphor, and if you notice in the beginning, <coughs> in, 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 the, in Tim's so to me, and, and I think this is a general consensus for what I've run the internet, to me, um, the closer to the end of the game, the closer you are to reality. Right. And that very last um, shattering, where the music stops and the world goes, the very last part, you, you are running to the princess. And you yeah. see the princess come down, and you're, you're moving kind of backwards through time or something. You see the princess escape from the, the, the clutches night. of this evil knight. Oh. And, and then know. the place is set on fire, and it's one of those classic 2D moving stages like the old Super Mario Brothers right. levels where you had to time everything perfectly or else but you But you get dead. the rewind ability, so it's not yeah. that frustrating. You get through it, but when you get up to the top, there's a big shattering, and, and I think it goes, it goes to white. I think it's the first time it like mm -hmm. goes all white. All of a sudden, Tim sobered at that moment, okay? And everything to this was Tim's view of things, Tim's manipulation of things. The reason it got crazier the closer it got to that moment is Tim's grip on his alternate world. Reality was shattering that, and he was having to deal with the fact, because one painting, 
looks, to me, the first painting uh, looks like infidelity. Looks like Tim was caught screwing around. There's a bottle he's grabbing for, and he's definitely going, you know, this woman, and there's definitely this kind of... And the expressions on his face as he's grabbing the bottle is kind of like he knows he's doing something he shouldn't. It's not like, hey, the first time he met the princess. You could look at it that way, but you go look at it, it doesn't have a out. Then uh, there's a painting, I don't remember which one it is, but it's the, it's the classic dad looking in at the child, right? He's standing there looking in at the door. I'm imagining that's Tim at the doorway, looking in on the kid. World 4. Uh, World 4, is that what it is? I think so. And it's that classic moment of, I'm leaving tonight, and tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll have no father. Because I'm, you know, either she's thrown him out of the house or I'm out of the house. But what I noticed when you got to the point where it shatters, you were not inside of the princess's house. Yeah. You were yeah. outside. You were a creepy stranger that was peering so through the window. Yeah, you're trying, you, when you got to that point. You know, you get to that last point, you're at the end, you jump on that platform and everything goes white, and he is right there separated from her by just the smallest pane of glass, and you're like, well... I can't do anything from here, and the fire is gone. Let's rewind. Well, see, that's the crazy see, that's part, That's the only though, part is... you're allowed to do. The okay. only part you're allowed to do is rewinding, but that's what I'm saying. At this point, you've shattered reality, and you're not rewinding. You are playing events forward now. That hurts so bad. She wakes up, sees you, says, oh, hell, i got to get away from him. And if you notice as you play it forward now, she's throwing all those levers to slow you down. I started realizing and that, then and then the night so the night is that evil is her shining her. night that has rescued her from yeah. you. The drunk alcoholic abandoning Yeah, well see, rolling back just a second, one part that like was so good, like I love the way he constructed that part. Because when you got up there, your first thought was exactly what he was thinking. How the crap do I get to her? You're like you kinda have that panic where you're like what what the crap? I, I got to get through this freaking barrier. Is in the way between me and her. What do I do? So it was really cool because you almost like. But you have can't the do any other mind. thing. You can't move Tim at that point. The only right. button that works is the rewind, rewind. button, which I'm now convinced yeah. is going forward in time. Yeah. No, I think you, I think you're dead. That right. was insane. That that hurts so bad when I first realized and. You know, she's running away from you, and then you get to the point. Uh, yeah. When, when when he was waiting there, I was like. Oh crap! I figured it out. I'm I'm glad I didn't play that by myself, and it was with other people because that would be so depressing. Because you you would have been had to be and honest. And now I think, watch it. thank you, Jonathan Blow. And, and when read, are running away from me? I'm not going to have to see that ever again. The uh, I've read some of this online to kind of connect some of the other pieces because there is a uh, a nuclear atomic Manhattan Project subtext going on yeah, in there a lot is. of the books. And um, at first, you know, I was kind of like. You know, am I missing some commentary on nuclear weapons or something of that nature? And reading online now, this was not mine no. playing the game. I may have I read what you're talking about. Uh, reading online, um, the one I'm willing to buy in is that, no, he's not making any commentary. There's also, like, Oppenheimer quotes in there and stuff like that. I mean, there's really a lot of ties to the Manhattan that, Project. Yeah. More than you would catch without, like, hitting the Wikipedia there, article. There's the one quote after... Um, you know, the princess is rescued by the knight, and you're going through, and you're you you eventually end up at the castle. But uh, you're reading through the books as as the epilogue progresses. Come back to the castle, and one of them uh, has the quote: "Now we're all sons of bitches." Now we're all sons of bitches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's it, big now, see, I think the commentary there, as what I've read on the internet, is that uh, there are moments in time that you cannot undo. 
and it's a symbology for Tim's marriage here, that he has done something so horrible, it is the equivalent of a nuclear bomb, it is not something you can ever undo. There, are, there are events that can take place in your life that are irrevocable, that cannot be undone, and, and that, that's it. You've, you've done something I so think, horrible. I think one of the other interpretations of that I read was, you know, the Manhattan Project was, okay, we're doing this for the good of humanity, we're doing this, you know, for a purpose, and then once it happens, and once you see the destruction that is being caused, it's like, and what have we done? E- even the early narrative <laughs> seems to suggest that at least Tim is perceiving or is, or is trying to convince himself that he's doing this for both the good of himself and the princess, because there's even one of the narratives that's like, you know, we make mistakes, but when we make mistakes, are we not better people after we realize we've made them? Right. You know, so should we yeah. be punished for improving ourselves? Right, and I think that's I don't I don't think it has much commentary on like I don't think Jonathan Blow no. meant any commentary on the Manhattan Project, although people are definitely not. That. But I think I mean there are different ways. <laughs> I think he just means, in the answer to that, like, no, there are mistakes we can make so bad that we we can't learn from them great, but we can't repair the damage that they did. But the castle, I don't know, something something about that struck me, because, like, you you hit, in the storyline, up to that point, he has done all this stuff, and it is either... The thing, what I got out of it was he was striving for something and ended up making everything worse, which I think was the the part where, you know, he's trying to reach the princess and then he escapes. And then you get to the castle and it's all little icons for the stages and it's kind of like, you know... He's made a castle out of the memories of the princess. You know, he has failed or whatever, but in doing so, all of his experiences have made him a stronger person. That's one way to read it because, hey, a castle is strong and all this... You also have the uh, the other symbolism for a castle, which is this place you retreat into when you're under siege, and it's uh, sort of this, I am a rock, I am an island sort of thing. Yeah, see, I kind of interpret it, you know, in the more negative context. I want to believe that, that Tim is stronger because of his experiences, but what what I think of it is is from a psychological perspective. He's walled himself in around these memories of the princess, and uh, reading from reading from the epilogue text, I don't think that anything good transpired after that, because uh, now actually there are much darker epilogue texts. So if you, in I believe what you have to do is in the prior screen, leave the red book open, uh-huh. and in the next screen, the point where you can stand where you hear the angels. Yeah. All right. If the red book is open on the prior screen, and then the next screen you stand where the angels are, you will get much darker epilogue text. You will get what sounds like, uh, what reads as Tim physically abusing yeah. women. Yeah. So actually, Tim has says, a history he, of he considered, abuse. He considered you know violence as an option. I think was one of the texts. Mm. So uh, I think you had to avoid all the green posts as you went through. I think you just, you think you just have to leave the red one open last, which right. is never the last one open. But if you hit any of the green posts, it's like there's like green pedestals and then there's the red pedestals. If you hit a green pedestal, it shuts the red book. It shuts the red book. That's so what you I mean. Just so you have, have to avoid the the red book is never the last book in the level. So you'll have to leave that one open, be on that one last, and then avoid any green books to get to the next 
uh, area, and then don't hit any green books on the way to wherever you hear the angels sing. I don't know if you guys noticed, there were spots where you could stand, and she just sang for some reason. And yeah. and, and, and the fire in the, the last puzzle there, and then the logo that I never noticed before, at the beginning of the game when you started, makes me want to think that he probably burned her a lot. Now, Maybe if you get, that's... okay, so, so the parts of the game we have, like, if you play through the game a second time, okay, or maybe you just play through the last level a second time, I don't remember which it is, and when he, Tim comes back out, which notice where Tim ends is where Tim begins. Yeah. Okay? Yes. Because all, Tim goes all through all this and winds up exactly where he started. Yeah. Okay? Uh, but, uh, if you go through it a second time, Tim loses the ability to rewind. You will no longer be able to use the blue button to just manipulate time. If you go through a second time. After, after you, you beat it. After you go through it once. So, that's there. Also, if you get the seven stars, you will see a constellation form, which is right before, like you said, right before you go in there. And it, from what I understand, I've not been able to get a good image, and I just tried searching right before this, too. So I just did crappy YouTube videos uh, up of these things, and I want, like, a good image so I can look at it and confirm. But people are saying it's an image of the princess in chains. Like, she is chained. But if you go through it a second time and you lose your ability to rewind, the chains break on the constellation, and the princess is no longer chained. Huh. Meaning, possibly Tim has let go of her. He, so he's he let go to... of her to not that they're back together, because that's apparently not going to happen. But that he has let go of her to stop living his life around trying to recreate what he lost. Wow, that is just really awesome. Um, I, I By the way, all this stuff that, that I talked about. Jonathan Blow did an interview, and it was published on the 12th. I don't know when the interview took place, but it was published on the 12th. Today's the 14th. So it's only two days ago. Maybe the interview was done a day or two before that, right? And still says, he's, he runs around, he reads the forums, he reads what people are playing about his game, what, you know, how they're interpreting things, and is still waiting for people to discover some things that are in the game. The only oh. shit that I've talked about, right, that I found online, is still not everything. And I still want to know who the hell found the two-hour cloud. I mean, really. How do you find that? Like, some of the stars are Waiting, about... trying to figure out the lines. Well, no, it moves slowly. Like, that was something that was driving me crazy. Because when I could not figure out that ledge part, I saw that cloud, and I watched that cloud. And I was like, that thing has got to move. Because I thought maybe, like, if I got to the level fast enough, that cloud had not reached the end yet. So I kept on rushing to the other end, thinking I could jump on it to get over. Um... But I do remember standing there, and uh, like I would, I do remember like now you mentioned, I would sit down on the controller, and it would slowly move. But it was like now I don't know if this was a limitation of the game mechanics or if he intended this. But there is a two-hour time limit on the rewind, okay? Because people have launch spray, put it at that world, gone to work, and figured like I'll just rewind it when I get back home. To the point where I can then jump on top of the cloud and then jump up to, uh, which is like the last 15 minutes of the two hours. And the last 15 minutes is where you can stand on the key door to jump on the cloud. Then you have to ride the cloud a little bit, and then you jump up and you see another level. Now, there are some that I can totally see people discovering by accident. In the world that, I'm trying to think, I think you could, I think um, time, I think this is my world for Mm-hmm. Where time went forward and you walked forward, time went back, you know. And there was creatures, there were little um, Goombas, or whatever they were supposed to be, coming out of a cannon, but they were green. So they didn't get manipulated by time. Yeah. 
but that there was three plants in front of them. And you had to kind of like manipulate time back and forth to get them to get, walk successfully down, so then they fell down. Right? And you get down there. But you could jump up there. You could also jump up there. You know, it was much easier to do it from the bottom once you realized that was it. But you could jump up there. Now, if you jump up there, you manage to get yourself up there, and then bounce off of one of those, you will go and unlock one of the star zones that are above that sequence. And I can see people stumbling across it. If you got stuck on that world, it would be very easy to get up there and try jumping off one or something, <coughs> you know, just out of desperation, and then you find a star world, which wouldn't help you get the puzzle piece, but it would... It would open your eyes to the, to the possibility. It would open, yeah. So that, uh... There's that, too. I'm trying to think if I've read anything else that I haven't mentioned on the meaning and the interpretations of things. Now, did he uh, comment at all on like the interview you mentioned earlier about the meanings? Or no, anything? he won't. He is not commenting publicly. I mean, about that. Yeah, yeah, I suspect that like all the stuff we've said and a lot of the stuff, and this was one of the things that bothered me the little bit I looked on forums. The more certain people are, I don't know that there's a single narrative that you can assemble all these pieces into. The more certain people are that Tim is an alcoholic or Tim, you know, all these different theories. Well, I don't, the yeah. reason I, I do, I will believe that is because he designed, he wrote the narrative first, planned yeah. out the entire story, and then attached gameplay to it. Well, no, no. I mean, which has opened up a lot of ideas for him that if he had said, well, I'm going to have a platformer, and then tried to work right into it, wouldn't have been as crazy as what he evolved from, because he was like, you know, well, how do I symbolize this guy trying to get back to this point in time, leads to manipulation of time, which has been done before. I mean, it's been done in what blinks, and it's been done in Prince of Persia. Um, I mean, it is a done mechanic, but never the way he did it. But yeah. I think he got to that point, because he came at it with, I have a narrative and a story I want the mechanic to fit to. And so the idea that you could rewind all the way back to the beginning, why not? Yeah. But I think, I don't think there's going to be, you know, one answer to this. And a lot, a lot of what we've said is probably complete speculation based on what he was it, intending. It's the Evangelion of uh, Xbox Live Arcade, where there's, a lot, of, there's a lot of red herrings and everybody has their own opinion about, you know, how what the ending means. Well, and we won't be as lucky to have a movie follow it that might explain it a little well, bit. Even, it's, it's even not that, you know, it starts out this fantasy no. world sort of thing. It's even not that fantastical. It's it's so real world if you... Well, in the beginning, you're yeah. way deep in alcoholism. You're way deep in a drunk dream. Yeah. And that's why the first world is so freaking easy. You know, I mean, it's, it's beautiful land. You can jump. There's nothing really hard about it because you're waste sports out of your mind. And as you lose grip on your little fantasy world and reality crashes in this world, it's more difficult. Right. So has anyone tried out the uh, Braid Challenge puzzles that they released? I did try to go no. through... You mean, wait. They have, they have like Braid and then they have a second download now It's like Braid Challenge puzzles. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know so that. So I don't know if this is just like... You're not talking about the time challenges. I'm not sure. It's like a whole separate game download. Um... I just saw it and I was like, "Huh," because because they have braid around me. It's like because there are challenge. six time challenges after you complete the game. Five of them to do a specific level in a certain amount of time, which basically means you have to know the right solution to to beat it in fifteen seconds. You know, um, you you can't uh, like one of them that has the cannons shooting across the screen, um, but it is a I think it's a world four that you can rewind. That one 
I mean, I, I've tried several times to beat that in the time limit that they give you, and man, it is freaking hard. And I'm thinking that maybe there's a different solution to the puzzle than the one I know that I did uh, to do it, to do it in that rate of time. And then the sixth one is what you can get the last achievement for, the last 15 points, which is blast through the entire game in something ridiculous, like under an hour, under 40 minutes or something. Like you would start to finish the entire game, every world, under an hour. Wow, that'd be pretty crazy. But no, this one's just a separate download, so I don't know if the time trials... Did you have to do- download something separately, or was think, it... I, I don't think I did. I don't think I downloaded it. So, anyway, maybe worth checking no, out. I don't know. Uh, when, when I read the game, it's like, well, is that it? So I checked the achievements, see if... Because that, that's usually a good indicator if there's something mm-hmm. else that you haven't done is the achievements. And all the achievements were unlocked except for uh, the speedrun. And that's where I stopped, because I was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm yeah, done yeah. with it. I'm good. Well, that's 15 points. Go ahead, keep it. Is it interesting to do any achievements based on the star stuff? I know. One one achievement based on collected all stars. And you finish the game, and you'd be like, fucking stars. What, what stars? That would be worth it. Or maybe or you just a, want to keep it hidden. Even a secret achievement, because well, a lot of games will have that, where you know there's one more, you just don't personally, know what it is. I hate the secret achievement. Okay, that is a bunch of crap. No. I don't understand why they would do that, because, I mean, the uh, type of people who are looking for these these secrets are not... It's an I, achievement I in its own I prefer that they didn't have an achievement, so that you don't know. You know yeah. A, a, unless somebody tells you, or you just stumble upon it, you don't know. You don't know that there's an achievement, otherwise you know there's something that's out there. This way, no, you you never know unless you listen to this or... Now, Jonathan Blow did complain a lot, too, about to get to Xbox Live. He had to do a lot of things to the game. Uh, to satisfy Microsoft's requirements, probably one of which was including achievements, which is probably why all the achievements are just mapped to levels and completing the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Complete the puzzle, complete the you know, complete the level, complete the puzzle, um, and yeah, that probably annoyed him. And he was annoyed because he was like, "And I spent a significant amount of my time because I am just one guy writing this game to meet these specs, and I could have done more things, polished more of the game, what he felt improved gameplay." rather than implement stupid things. And a lot of them, too, he was complaining, don't really apply to his game because he's so far outside the box anyway. Well, that's one thing I I remember reading about, you know, one of his design philosophies was not so much that you do all the... He didn't want to do all these things to congratulate the gamer that they'd beaten something. Because in a lot of cases, those are overhyped and you don't really earn them. They wanted He wanted finishing the puzzle to be its own reward. Well, yeah, so he wanted the rewards to be in line with what you did, which is always makes you feel better, you know. Um, like, the original Tetris didn't put massive explosions and congratulations on the screen every time you got a Tetris. It blinked and went away. But it was awesome. Like, you got a Tetris, you were still jizz, you know, like, bam, nailed the Tetris. But it had no special effects, right? Except for when you got to, like, a certain level... When you lost, you get like a little rocket ship. That that was like at the end, you know. Nintendo characters. You you got the Nintendo characters dancing and things like that, which which is the other side of reward, which is hey, you get this video, you know, this canned reward, and you're not really. The designers can be lazy in that respect because, uh, and he says this is too. This is a function of the size of the team. You may enjoy the videos just as much, and I enjoyed you know Link get Link dancing and everything on on Tetris as well. But if you have a larger team, you can put in a video and animation because that's a different department, it's a different shop. It's not taken away from the guy coding. But he was doing everything. 
So it's more important to him that the game itself be rewarding. And then also that, and this may tie in with why you can't really die in the game, that there's no negative rewards. Okay? Like a lot of games, um, you die spectacularly. You know, it's just like these awesome death sequences when you die or something like that. And there's Fractal almost, physics, you know, and there's almost a reward for like getting into a mode of the game of like, I don't care about the game anymore. I'm just going to jump myself off this building and see how I die because it's so freaking cool. And, you know, he's at the mind, like, if he was to have a death screen in here, you know, you would do, you'd jump off the building or whatever. As soon as you did the action, it just fades out. It says game over. You know, white letters on black text. And there's no reward for breaking the rules of the game. You know, there's just kind of a, oh, well, that feels crappy. You know, got <laughs> nothing sucks. to do with that. I don't want to it do that. It could actually, that, the, way, the way it's set up could actually be more frustrating because just, you know, you die, you have to rewind, you don't rewind, you, you don't rewind enough, and you die immediately. Oh, again, that and you just sucks. Make me fidgety. Just I hate it after even though we could rewind. For too long. Even though we could rewind at any stupid mistake we made, like I felt like still that I avoided dying, which is why in that level five where the dude has to fall on your head, I didn't set myself up to die. Why would I do that? You know, even though there's no real pain to it. Well, I I didn't have a problem with doing that because I was just like, you know, there is no negative consequence for me trying this out. If if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But who cares? I can rewind and and try a different approach. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's not necessarily that there wasn't a consequence, there wasn't what he calls a reward, a negative reward. So dying in Braid didn't have a consequence, but there was no rewarding animation, explosion, something to make you, hey, like, watch me die, you know? Yeah, and I guess, I guess for me, I'm not one of those types of gamers, you know, so, you know, my brothers were, were that kind, were that way, if, if somebody did something amusing when they died, they'd, you know, kill them and watch them die, I'm like, you know, what the hell are you doing? You know, I put four hours into this. You know, I don't want to watch him die. I want to beat this thing and be done with it. Yeah. I do have to admit there's a certain amount of satisfaction to uh, sticking one of your friends in the back of the head and watching them run off with a glowing body in Halo to go, oh, that's, <laughs> Bam! that's watching somebody else die. That's not watching you. That's, yeah. that's somebody else dying. But, no, that is, in, in, in Jonathan Blow's Little World, that still is a negative reinforcement because that's not an intended game mechanic. And it's just something... Developers get lazy with because the actual game is boring you, right? So that's a failure of the design of the actual game in that you'd be bored in multiplayer to the point where you'd be like, you know, shove a grenade down your partner's pants. Although I don't know that that ever could be old, you know. I mean, that's no. just, that that's a, and it's a different style game too. And he he makes the case that that's okay in cases if he can use it to kill the opponent. I'm a big proponent of the uh, the team kill. Uh, I think the worst um, offender is going to be your World of Warcraft. You know, with um, you, you get in there and you, you you level up, right, and and you get the next level and ding and, and all that. But then you get into the sixties, yes, and and you spend so much time just grinding on the assumption that you know by God I have so much time into this. And um, I think Blow's quote was like sixty seven has got to be better than sixty six. Well, what you frustrated know. me when, when I hit 60, and why I don't really play it much anymore, or at all anymore, <laughs> is, uh, you know, you know, grind, grind, grind to, to get to 60 and catch up with everyone else. And then at that point, you would grind through a dungeon so you could get gear, so you could grind through more 
difficult dungeon to get better gear to grind through an even more difficult dungeon to get even better gear. And it's gear. not that there isn't great moments in WoW, and he even mentioned no, this. You know, like there you're is. on a raid with a bunch of your friends, you go and kill a dragon, it's awesome and it loves it. It's the fact that the other 12 hours of that 13 hours you played this week, or, or day, depending on how much you play, Work. We're grinding and we're work, and you know, just a failure of game designers. There's no well, and those, it's not just a to... failure of game designers because they're trying to keep the you know the hardcore players happy, so that you know they have to yeah. play them. I no, to I mean, no, 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 that's that's I'm, I call them bullshit on that. Keep the hardcore players happy. I mean, that's just it's you, just a tre- level treadmill. Not is not a hardcore gamer. There there's no some talent involved like that. in that. No, there's well, no. But there are some people who like that. Just a counter argument, like I had a freaking blast with Warcraft all the way up to seventy. Like I don't, I wasn't playing. Like Dylan's uh, argument was that he was always trying to catch up with someone. If you play to catch up with someone, it's going to suck. You're never going to yeah. catch them. But you know, it's you play to enjoy, and I had a blast the whole way through. And when I got to seventy, I was like, "What the crap do I do now?" So that was kind of where I started to become disillusioned a bit with WoW. But the gear thing is they actually have added new stuff to where, like, the arena battles and things like that, where you have rep among gamers that actually really is why kind of turns into MMO? Halo. Do what? Is why your first MMO? Your Mamorpajig? Is that your first Uh Of that style, yes. But the thing is, I think part of the, part of the reason, part of the difficulties I had was I, I tend to be more the explorer type. If you've ever read the different gaming gamer types or what people are looking for out of a game. Hold on, I'm gonna go grab the uh, the DMG. Yeah, it's actually older than that. If you actually, yeah, if you can find but, the but, gaming hacks book. Sure. Yeah. No. No. That the concept goes back way way back. But but the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide for Fourth Edition has them all listed out. In, yeah. Uh, and, and while it's you know written out for uh, Dungeons and Dragons specifically, it. The, yeah, the that has nothing to do with World of Warcraft, right? They're not even closely related. But that's, <laughs> he says sarcastically. Right. That's, oh, <laughs> the thing is, um, the reason I had a problem with World of Warcraft is because I'm not, I don't care about, uh, you know, taking on challenges. I don't care about getting a bigger and better player or a bigger and better character. I want to go out and find stuff to do. That's why I got into Oblivion. That's why I got into Final Fantasy Twelve. So. I don't know. Well, Everyone's and, and, and the reason I answered is your first one. So I, I, I played in UO beta. Because I was a big Richard Garrett fan. I played all the Ultimas, you know, mostly as they came out uh, to date me. But, um, and when he was doing Ultima Online and I found out about that, you know, and this is like 96, maybe. You know, 96, 97, I think is when I got into the UO beta. Uh, I think it launched in 97 or 98, somewhere around there. Because uh, I was still in Korea at the time. And, you know, I got in there, and uh, that was my first experience. So th- that grind that you go through is not as bad the first time you do it. Now, since I played Ultima, and then EverQuest, and then Ashran's Call, and then Dark Age of Camelot, and attempted An- Anarchy Online, all before I got to World of Warcraft, okay, I've seen this shtick so many times before, it's, it's you know... It, I can't pass the gallon challenge with it. You know, it's like, I can't sit here and go through another game that way. And I know a lot of people right now that I met in Knoxville that DAOC was their first game. Dark Age of Camelot was their first experience. Then they went to WoW. And now they're all stoked about Warhammer. And they're all getting ready into Warhammer. But I do not see any design mechanic of fun replacing the grind. 
Well, you have to understand, some people play for PvP. Yeah, some are the hardcore gamers that need that constant... And it's not that I need to play for PvP, because that always hasn't always been a constant, although I do enjoy that aspect. Um, that always hasn't been a constant in all the games that I went through and played. Um, it, it hasn't always been present. And I've been just fine. Like World of Warcraft, when I played it for the year that I played it, you know, there was not a lot of PvP, even for me being on a PvP server. Um, there's not what I would call PvP coming from the Ultima Online days, where Ultima Online launched and it was freaking wide open everywhere. Oh, um, even in towns, you could whack somebody, and if you could kill them before the guards got to you, they were dead. Uh, and that was the biggest gripe vocally about Ultima Online. So EverQuest started the PvP switch and, and, and you know, drastically changed from that opinion. Um, but in practice, I think it worked a lot better than people remember it because it was mostly a, a vocal minority, you know, that were getting ganked left and right that didn't learn how to survive in the streets. Because you could frickin' survive in the streets. I mean, <laughs> you could start and it was a you rough You did not world. grow up on the street. One thing, I, I guess, yeah. we've kind of been down on World of Warcraft. What are you guys, like, what's the appeal, I guess? Here's defend it. <laughs> I, I, I don't if know, you dare. I don't know that I can rightly defend it. I play it because I I do have a little bit of, of what they call the power game gamer in me. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I enjoy, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I enjoy, you know, getting the new abilities and trying them out. But for me, the appeal of games is the story. That's why I don't fool around with side quests or anything. I want to get to the end of the game. That's why I don't. I have no real desire to go back and play Braid for the uh, eight constellation stars, it, unless it gives me, you know, more access to the story. You know, there, there's absolutely no desire for me to go back to it because I've already I've already advanced the story. And for World of Warcraft, it's difficult for me because there is no story to advance. Once you get to seventy, there's nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. and, and every, everyone says, "Oh, but you can go on raids and get gear." And who gives a damn? I'm at well, seventy. It doesn't matter. Interjecting out there, there is a lot of story in WoW. In fact. More story when you hit 70 than anywhere else. Because yeah. you really get steeped in the wild lore. It's not linear. It's um, it's literally, it's like playing D&D where you're But you have no effect upon that story. You just have some no. background written on the quest that you happen to take. Well, and you, you have... It's the same for everyone. And <laughs> you'll go and save X from the dragon or fight whatever town. And no, you're the going next to be collecting, minutes, you know, 40 different... Uh, Pig meats to uh, go help Emma with her pie, and I'm like, screw this. No, but I mean, I mean the level really seventy quest. I mean the level seventy quest though, where you go on an epic quest and you go on the higher level thing. The thing is, as soon as you walk out of that dungeon, you go walk back in and it's a reset. You didn't really do anything. But once they release other dungeons, it's as if things have changed. Yeah. Like the Chamber of Time when you get there and things like that. It's really freaking cool. You're going back in time and doing amazing things and. You know, learning like the Warcraft three lore into there. And, so, and if I had played Warcraft one, two, or three, which I I will not because you ganked me so hard on Warcraft two, <laughs> oh, so I will I will never touch an RTS ever. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be me and Nathan on Starcraft. Yeah, because <laughs> I ganked a high number of people in Starcraft. So uh, the I reason, was pretty hardcore. The, the reason you can't have the changing storyline in MMO is specific. 
quickly because you have to accommodate so many people. You can't. No, that's that's again yeah. that's bupkis because we have gone um, closer already than than WoW has established. Even with Dark Age of Camelot and Control of the Realms, oh, that's true. There was a story and there was a backdrop not created by Camelot but by the Three Realms and the servers that I played on. There were distinct hatred of the other realms and the players, and you know, at the time when it was known, it was like the time when Hibernia sucked. And yeah, remember that? You know, they they were crap, and we could roll over them. Remember just going up, and we both just partied. And then there was a time where you know that imbalance attracts people to the underdog, and all of a sudden they became a dominant force on the server and toppling over Midgard. And it was like holy crap, because Midgard on our server had the really tight raid team speak oriented guilds that you know you had to meet a certain criteria, um, and. That kind of interchange of politics, I didn't get the feeling in WoW, and I attributed that to guilds could not claim territory. Okay? Yeah. Your no. realm could kind of claim territory, but as an individual guild, and I think that was a key dynamic and why I like Dark Age of Camelot over my experience in WoW, uh, and why, oh, I mentioned, I didn't mention Shadowbane, because Shadowbane was my great hope. It was executed poorly, but it had a great idea, because in Shadowbane, there are three cities, the starter cities. And all other cities are built by the players, seeds and destroyed by the players. So if you want to talk about open and the ability for the players to well, control the world, I mean, we're that's talking going about that players' effect on the world versus players' effect on the storyline, though. It's, right. It's but that creates its own storyline. It does, but it, it's a different point, though. Yeah. Like that's really awesome. Like I would love to be able to have Warcraft, but in regards to the storyline, there's limitations yeah. as to what you can do, like. Imagine how frustrating it'd be if you're in a guild and your guild ran and you know defeated whatever, and then for those particular players, they can't get back in there. They've already done that part. Their progressive storyline. So now you have this other chunk of guildies that can't do anything at but, all. It also means Blizzard wait, would have to again create to, lots to more call content. foul yeah. on this. Anarchy Online. Anarchy Online does story arcs, so they are and and Ashron's Call does this as well, where they evolve and change the world. Based upon the actions, in fact, Anarchy on, or Ashron's Call has gone so far to the point where they actually have some worlds differ, some instances, some servers differ on items on that server based on the others because uh, one server actually did defeat the undefeatable monster, not through a hack or anything. They actually, as a server, 300 people got together finally and got through this raid. And every two weeks to a month, they patch, and when they do a patch, it's not really like a, hey, we fix this and we balance that and this guy has this ability. There's new content thrown in the game, new NPCs, new story, things have changed, and they're kind of writing this off of how people play off the last one and go on that. So, yeah, in that sense, they, now they call it a story arc because they still have the 30 or 40 or 50 or 150 whatever quests that you can go do as a group and raid this dungeon. That'll never change. That you can always go on and like, hey, we're gonna go do this raid, and we go do, you know, we raid the, the tar pits of of Davidon or whatever the hell they call it, you know, or we go to Molten Core or you know whatever game you want submit in, and those are always there. But there are always new dungeons, and they are always when they launch them, once they're solved, that they're, they're solved, like that dungeon is killed, and the world changes. New creatures appear, like when you shatter this gem. 
gem shards rained around the planet, and then it became like collected gem shards. But you don't know why you're collecting a gem shard yet, and you won't know that to the next. So you one. can what become you a full demon. What's that? So you can become a full demon. <laughs> become a full demon, exactly. So, um, so yeah, and, and return to your lost love. Although you kind of got a new thing right now. Yeah. But uh, you really went the three way with both of them. <laughs> Warcraft does have world level events, kind of like that. Um, like especially whenever I can't remember the name of that zone, but not as involved, uh, not near as yeah. involved. But there are like some some realms are, have yet to unlock certain portions of the storyline because they can't freaking get to a certain point. Like I, I remember one part where like everyone had to donate wool and um, linen in order to get to this certain epic point. You know, so get like all these people like. Saying, donate your junk, donate your junk, we're almost there, we're 50% there, keep donating. That's pretty freaking cool, as everyone was kind of yeah, finally they touched Blizzard that. is basically doing what Blizzard does, which is, they don't innovate, they don't create anything new, but they polish the hell out of what existed and put everybody else to shame. I mean, they, yes. they do this, the real time strategy too. Where, you know, Starcraft came out and, it hadn't been the first one with three races, it didn't really do anything freaking new about Starcraft. In fact, it was quite dated for... The time that it launched, even when it launched. But, they understand the element of fun to a high degree. And if I was to get started, if I was just starting new in a Memorphagic, wow would be it. I mean, as far as like overall level of fun, it's I, wow. Going back to the element of story, I, I know that 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons got a lot of flag because it was inspired by... Uh, particularly World of Warcraft, in the way that uh, several abilities in the new system work. But I think what WoW and other works exactly could could take from uh, Dungeons & Dragons is what they do with Forgotten Realms and what they've been doing since they first introduced the campaign setting. They have the overarching stories that are published in the novels and everything that impact the game world itself. And then there are things that, you know, players do through like Living Forgotten Realms and things like that that further impact the settings themselves. So they they have the overarching story which you can read if you're you're into that. And if you're using the campaign setting, you probably are just to kind of get a feel for for what's happening there. And then, you know, they also say Okay, this is what's happened, this is the history behind everything. Now, use as much or as little of it as you want and, and take it in your own direction. Now, I know Warcraft does have storyline, the, the books that go with it. And I know those are very tightly related. Like, right. Um, I don't know which is the driver. I almost want to say it's kind of gone both ways to where the books are driven by the game in some cases. And in some instances, I know there are, you know... Little leanings toward the books. Well, from at the one game. point, um, World of Warcraft tried to become uh, Warcraft Adventures or something. Like they tried to make a role playing game out of it, and uh, they just they scrapped it. Blizzard did what Blizzard does and goes, "The damn thing wasn't fun," and we scrapped it. And then then they attempted to turn that into a cartoon. I'm presuming because they had so much backstory and all that for their role playing game, they didn't want to lose that intellectual property. And my guess is that. This is what's seeping across now is the remnants of Warcraft Adventures. You know, it's like, well, we kind of really expanded the universe and we have a great 
you know, uh, intellectual property and storyline and events and timeline and stuff that are awesome. And we, we, you know, how do we get that out? And so partially in the game, partially in the books, they bring in some writers and things like that. To, to bring back to the original point here and the fault is, and the fault, the reason I'm faulting designers, the game designers, you know, behind a while, is that they're being safe and lazy. They're not trying to push the envelope. It's safe and lazy to take, you know, cut and paste storylines and drop them in and just read them as you go about the quest. And it may be freaking Tolkien-esque awesome writing, but you're just playing it safe. You're just reentering. Having a le level treadmill in a Memorpachik is playing it safe. You know, I mean, that's... You're not going to get over the term, are you? Like, you guys don't listen to Yahtzee. You don't, you don't go to uh, zero punctuation, Yahtzee, on the uh, escapist. Uh, I've seen like the little snippets that X-Play has, but usually I, I'm like, Little okay, um, <laughs> this guy is, you know, he's funny, but he's also just like coming from a completely different uh, perspective than I am as far as game, games goes. And gaming journalism, uh, I think largely because of the internet, has gotten so lazy and biased and subjective that I actually have to do a profile on uh, whoever's reviewing. I have to do a, uh, I have to profile them before I determine, you know, how to take their reviews because if, th if their bias is against, you know, X type of game that I really enjoy, then I'm not going to have a good review for me personally as a player who I enjoys think a certain Yossi genre. himself, of game. though, does actual official reviews. No, he just talks and, about games. And, um, I don't think he actually, like, uh, he's, I don't think he's talked about Braid. He loved Portal. Okay? And I think that's, like, the only game he's ever, like, given, like, a decent game review yeah, to. Yeah, he, he hated, uh, Smash Brothers, which was like, how, how do, Exactly what has to happen for you not to enjoy this game. You have to, like, royally just suck at it. And another problem with game reviewers, though, is that they play far too many games for them to be a relevant opinion to me who play a tenth of the games. Right. So, you know, because I only play a tenth of the games, I don't get uh, as jaded. And where they see the same mechanic... Like, I'm jaded on WoW because I've seen the same mechanic through a, same num a high number of games now. Whereas to you, Nathan, obviously it's not as big of a deal because it's relatively new mechanic, you know, or it's not something I haven't experienced before. So that makes my review of WoW not relevant to you. I can to, agree with that. To, um, to even go this even further, like I listen to Giant Bombcast a lot, and I take more of their discussion of the game on the podcast towards whether or not I purchased the game than I do of their actual written reviews of these guys. Because when they talk about it on the podcast, you know, I can weight different pieces that they're saying important to me or not. Uh, when they do the review, they kind of justify their rating. So if they give it four stars instead of five, they justify why they don't give that last star and they talk about all these great things. And they may leave out of it a high number of dissatisfactions with the game that they talk about on the podcast. Because if they laced it with a bunch of dissatisfactions and you look at it and you go... Well, that's not a four-star game. That's a that's a three-star or a two-star. Look at all these negatives you had on it. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's one thing that kind of sucks is uh, game ratings with like the whole star system. Can't freaking stand them because they are so generic and games are so varied that they're almost useless. The only time I ever really I'm ever like wow 
is if a game has one star or five stars. The rest don't freaking matter. Because the, the are, stars matter to me in aggregate. When I go to Amazon, I want to see the average across all. That's when I care about the stars. But anyone's individual rating, I, I'll read their text. I don't care so much about their individual rating. I love the old show Judgment Day that G4 when G4 used to have shows about video games uh, other than X-Play they had a game that had uh, Tommy Tallarico and Victor Lucas and they'd go through and, and review the games and each one would get their own score you know like from 1 to oh, 10 yeah. you could have like .5s in there but not only would they give a review they would have like positives and negatives that each one of them liked yeah, about the game yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, uh, that's really cool and it was nice because sometimes they'd say you know I just do not like Inuyasha. And the other one was like, I love Inuyasha. So uh, when, when they got to the Inuyasha fighting game, one had a really good score, one had a really bad score, so you're like, eh, it's probably an average game. Yeah. yeah. Now what is more relevant to me uh, on the same topic is, um, especially like on Amazon, is when you see uh, a game you really like, and then you have what people who like this game also like X. Now, with things like that, that is so freaking relevant because it's almost always right on par. Well, so, example to that, um, I was talking with Dylan when we had lunch earlier. Uh, I, I was complaining about not having any games to play, and because we're we're in this drought right now, like the the, the summer of Xbox Live releases have stopped, um, and we got all these great games coming out this month and later for, for Christmas. You know, coming out and and before Christmas and even October, there's some good ones. You know. But right now, I have nothing to play. And I'm kind of like frustrated because I don't really have a game just to go home and, and veg out. And I was talking to a friend uh, when I had traveled to Kentucky last weekend. And he, we, I had mentioned my love of Battletech, Battlemech games, okay? Um, that I, I freaking will play awful mech games because I love mechs. I just, you know, it's like the guy that loved Inuyasha. I, I don't care. Like, you can really be horrible. I loved every... Mercenary, Mech Warrior, I'm sorry. Every Mech Warrior game that has come out, even the Mech Warrior, uh, real-time strategy ones, uh, every single one, and I played them since the original one came out that got banned for having mechs they weren't allowed to use, where they had, um, the, uh, Battlemaster, which is now the Atlas. Yeah. Uh, Battlemaster was supposed to stay pen and paper. Locust was supposed to stay pen and paper, now it's the Raven. And, and so Activision published the game with like the seven, the known seven banned mechs, uh, because these mechs, uh, were to remain in print and paper only, never to try to go into the video game world, Battletech's call, right? And they didn't do that, and they got sued and lost, uh, all the profits of that game. And this is, I'm talking like circa 88. Um, I mean, maybe even earlier, because I played this on my Candy 1000. Like it needed a 286 to run, and I played it on my Tandy 1000, which was an 8088 chip, uh, and it was so freaking slow. But the idea of mechs, and I get to customize them and go out on the field, and then if you throw in the fact I'm a mercenary, so I get money to buy the parts, like I've not dug the one so much that you were part of a, one of the teams, you know, one of the houses. You know, I always like freelancing. Anyway, You're he mentioned Chrome Hounds. He mentioned the game, he's like, well... You might like this game, Chrome Hounds. It overall is a crappy game. <laughs> but it's a mech game. And, and, and he was right. It is a crappy game, such to the point that in missions, they don't even tell you what you really have to do. You know? 
They don't mark the oh, building you have to destroy. And if you don't catch the text of someone or hear the radio of someone saying, now go do this, because you're in combat at that moment, there's no screen to pull up an objective list. There's no indicator of timers when some missions are timed and you don't even know it. Um, and, I mean, I've literally had one mission where I walked around and blew up 30 buildings because I could not tell which one was the HQ building until finally I just randomly hit that building and ended the mission with success. The, the <laughs> mission builder, though, uh, or not the mission builder, the mech builder, is the best I've ever freaking seen. You are... Uh, it's amazing the level of customization that you have to build and interchange parts and things, you know, snap in. It's almost like Lego-level building that you can do and outfit your mech. But... One feature I loved on Giant Bomb. So I went in, and I was going to go get Chrome Hounds. Uh, and so I went to GiantBomb.com, which has a great, also related, also check out features of games. And it said Armored Core, which I'd never played any of the Armored Core series. Mostly because I think it's a PlayStation Origins, and I've never been, I've never really owned any PlayStations. I've always had friends that had them, so... Many games that started there, I don't have knowledge of. But Armored Core 3 and 4 hit Xbox, Okay. So I think 3 was on the Classic and, and 4 is on the 360. Right. So I went to pick up that, and I, I didn't realize there would be a possibility of a Japanese... Like, I almost think it's redundant to say, but there's like a J-Mech, like a Japanese mech game, which is Armored Core. Like, I played it a little bit. As um, opposed to, well... As opposed to Battletech. Which is all green. Which is really not American. I'm not sure to say Battletech is American. Pretty sure it is. I mean, it, it started out pen and paper. I think it's... I think that's FASA, isn't it? Or like, FASA? Know. No, it was FASA. I don't think they own it anymore. Um, they, they, I think they had to. If it's not American shop. in origin, it's at it, least. If it's if it's a uh, tractor trailer, you know, with a chainsaw attachment, you know, that's that's Western. Yeah, uh, but so uh, it's it, definitely Western feel, Western flavor, Western style. Yeah. And then I realized because you know I hate the JRPGs, the Japanese role playing games. And I'm like, oh, uh, like, we need another episode you, about you that? Japanese motherfuckers <laughs> touched my mech game because the Armored Core series is Gundams. Like when I started fighting it, it's not the mech war battle tech universe of mechs. It's the Gundam series of mechs where you're blasting through and you've got swords and shit. Although my love of giant robots apparently transcends international borders because I'm kind of digging the Armored Core too, so I'm bouncing back and forth I, between them. Surely I done. played the demo for Armored Core 4 and I think I mentioned this previously. Zoneanders, it, it's definitely the J-Met kind of thing. It's not the uh, the Battletech. I've got chainsaws on my John Deere and uh, and a Gatling gun on my on my pickup truck and I put something that looks kind of like legs on it and now it's a mech. And the Mecha South will rise again! Right. Uh, <laughs> But it's it's more an action title than anything. But it's got giant robots in it. It's got the most ridiculous story. But by definition, it's a mech game, and it's still better than. It most does of the allow other for ones. customization. You can buy parts and outfit. You you have you can't change the chassis really. Like the look of the mech is pretty much set. But the the look of the weapons will change as you change them. You can buy a better sword. You can get different shoulder armaments and weapons. Um, Although, I will say this, it uses the triggers for thrusters instead of firing. That would be annoying. And, yeah, that is kind of annoying, because A button and, and X and B are shooting the different weapons, but well, it, because the game is so action-based... It's, it's an Eastern game. They're not thinking about using the triggers for weapons like a Western game developer would. They're using those face buttons. 
Well, and and exactly because it it's more of action. Uh, your your fighting game only they happen to be giant robots because you really need those triggers to quick to to jump to the left and jump to the right and shoot up quick and you know I mean it is like Gundam battles um, is the way it plays out. So far less times I'm hoping. I only paid like twelve bucks I think used for Chrome Hounds and like fourteen bucks for Armor Core Four, so they're worth the money that I picked up for them. Uh, based based on. I don't know where the objective is. I don't think I'll be picking up Chrome Hounds. Now, Chrome Hounds, um, and I haven't gone online and done this because I'm usually a kind of guy that completes at least 80% of the game before he dares go online to get his ass kicked. Um, in Chrome Hounds, they have a persistent world like World War II Online, if you're familiar with that game. Where in World War II Online, um, the, the world is persistent. The map is persistent. So when you log out, people are still battling and winning territory and overtaking the map. And you log back in and you participate for your side. And Chrome Hounds has that. And when it gets to a point where one side dominates or is dominating, they push the reset button and they say, okay, it's reset. Like right now this weekend they said, um, I went to log in to show dad, and it said the world's currently going to be reset. The next battle begins on the 16th. Uh, you can log in the 16th and it'll be a brand new equal four rate, four factions, I think. That's pretty awesome. what they do. So that is pretty cool. Uh, and in an open world battle scenario, it doesn't matter so much that y- the mission system sucks because you wouldn't be playing mission based anyway. Uh, and it has, uh, different, they call them role types for the chromes, right? because uh, they can't call them mechs because it's not a battle tech license, uh, thing, but they have role types. So you have, you have, um, soldier, sniper, support, command, uh, uh, artillery. And you can still custom build a mech completely from the ground up, but it will rate your mech in one of these type of roles based on how you built it. You know, it's got that little, like on Pokemon, that little area chart where it kind of highlights... A little star, a little... Yeah, a little star, like it's highlighting where the strengths are. So, um, I'm guessing online, I haven't played it to verify, but I'm guessing online, like the command one supposedly can tap into command units in the single player game, taps into radar bases and can command units from there, uh, would have kind of an overview map to know what's going on to give orders to the guys choosing to play soldiers, which was the idea with World War II Online, uh, as well. And that, I dig that idea. That's also Allegiance. If you've ever heard Microsoft Allegiance, which also came and went so quick it was ridiculous, but it was an online space fighting game, control of territory, and you would have two players, one player on each side, get to view the overall map like they were back at the home base, and radio out commands to different units and see where they were going. And of course the, the beauty here is it's still the internet, it's still other people, they can choose not to follow you. And so if you suck at giving orders, you know, then nobody will listen to you and they're not going to pay attention. But if you have a proper rep system in place and you have proven yourself as in, in the lower role types, you know, that when this dude takes over as commander and you see, like, wait a minute, he has a very successful record, you might be apt to listen to him and you can get an interesting social dynamic, I think, um, which, which may be weird to have on the Internet where everybody works together as a team. But that sometimes happens. It sometimes happens in WoW. And sometimes somebody goes in the room and pulls the whole fucking... Somebody pulls that. You know, I was at DragonCon. There was a panel on WoW 
and it was formed by the attendees because in 2005, even, there was no World of Warcraft panel, there was no World of Warcraft, there was no Blizzard presence at um, DragonCon. And the EFF people had a panel, and they said, you know what, um, we already had two other panels similar, and we just got a third one because they asked us to fill the space in the room, and they said, make it the WoW panel. So we just had an open discussion of WoW, and we had a dude run in right in the middle and yell, Leroy Jenkins, and run out. Wow. So it wasn't that funny then, but, you know, related, topical. Any last final thoughts? Not particularly. I do no. have to say, you know, Braid, I had a blast. If you haven't played it, you should play it. Yeah, you definitely should um, play it for the experience alone. It's kind of like a portal. It's going to be talked about in years to come. You're going to hear games come out and be compared to or talk about the mechanic from Braid. Your mainstream games will look at it and they will steal from it. And so as we go forward, we'll see things and like, oh, that's from Braid. Or Braid led them in that direction, which I think is kind of cool. Kind of the need for the independent gaming to do this kind of weird... But it's it's not going to be good if if too many people do it. I mean, it, it's good in certain cases, but... I don't think too many people could do it and pull it off. Well, that too. This but... isn't as easy as cloning Bejeweled. I mean... Yeah. Microsoft was... needs to uh, stop taking as, as much of a cut from these things as they do. and you know, leave, leave it at about $10. I think that's about right for this game. Yeah, and I mean, and of that $10, 7 should go to the developers, seriously, yeah, because definitely. 3 bucks is more than covering your cost, and you need to look at it in terms of strengthening the platform instead of, i got to make money on this transaction. Yeah, and whatever they make from it, it's almost free money. It's not like they've really, you know, put anything into this more than what they've already made money back yeah, from. Yeah, they already have the infrastructure set up and the download structure and the network there, uh... It's not an amazing network, obviously. That's why they release new Xbox Live Arcade games at, like, midnight. Uh, hopefully most people will be asleep, you know, so they don't have an instant rush on the game, but why they don't time Rock Band downloads on the same day as Xbox Live new releases. All right. So, um, all right. Once again, podcast, or whatever the hell you want it to be at Chainsaw Buffet, uh, if you want to... Go ahead and write in and bitch about how we just ruined Braid for you, even though you listened well past when we told you not to. But you probably saw that there was 90 minutes of conversation after that point and just couldn't help yourself to, like, what the hell did they talk about for 90 minutes? Holy crap, how, how long did we actually go here? Uh, we're coming up actually on just about two hours. Holy crap. Oh, man. So this is a record-setting one. I think it goes up in its entirety anyway. Do we split anyway. this up into two parts? No, I don't think we do because of the rule of... Uh, don't edit. Don't edit. And, okay. and the, the spoilers, we should keep to one. So, we're out, gentlemen. Does that next podcast? Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll have to record it on the deck. We'll have to do an on-location podcast. Yeah. yeah, so we might have a little ambient noise problem, but the deal is, is that we, we just do the gallon chimes and that's our drink. I mean, it matches us perfectly.